Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Hi, everybody. Great to have you back with us. You know, today I want to look at a topic that I dare say might cause some controversy. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) You think? The reason I say this is that I was speaking at a local event about the topic of the Great Reset versus the Great Restoration, which uh, if you've been with us and uh, hopefully you've you've, uh, listened to those podcasts, if not, uh, you know, I encourage you to go back and listen to that two-part series. But anyway, I was talking about that topic, and I made a statement that Satan had not lost his anointing from God, but that he was using it to serve himself instead of God. So afterwards, a dear sister in Christ came up to me and thanked me for speaking, but she said that she definitely did not agree with me that Satan had, that Satan had retained his anointing, and then she proceeded to tell me why she thought that. Now, honestly, Gary, I'm really grateful when someone takes my teaching seriously enough to, to, you know, to even question them. That means at least someone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening. But no, it's also, it's good we, when we are challenged because we, we want to dig into the word even further. It, well, exactly. So, um, so that was exactly what happened to me is I thought, okay, I made that statement. Is that something that I really know that I know, or was it something somebody told me? And so, you know, I, I really wanted to look into that. I didn't want to just say that because it sounded right to me. So the reason I'm saying all of this is that, you know, we're all on a constant journey as we seek out God's truth. As soon as we admit that we don't know everything, God is then um able to teach us when we think we do know everything we're in trouble we're in trouble yeah yes absolutely so so i admitted that i didn't really know that much about anointing the topic of anointing so that's what we're going to look at today and that's what our journey is going to be uh today so uh, i invite you all to uh to continue with us on this journey, and let's find out what we can uh, see in the Bible about the topic of anointing. So after this break, let's talk anointing, and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared His redemptive plans for the world He created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, Believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind and the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, Author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. 
So, Gary, you know, you and I have talked about this before, Mm -hmm. this idea that sometimes we, as Christians, say something, um, we use words, we use terminology, and I wonder sometimes if we're all talking about the same thing. That's, I think we're not. I, I, that's very clear to me in, in having conversations over the years. First of all, Christianese is probably a foreign language to the world for many, but then within uh, within the Christian circles, uh, different denominations look at words differently. And, uh, you know, on this topic of anointing, I think in the Pentecostal movement, anointing is in, their, in the minds of, of a Pentecostal is synonymous with the Holy Spirit or His Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's and 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 I. So that's one of the things I do want to look at today. Is is that biblical or is that just a doctrinal theory? And right. and that's important that we look at those things because you know it's just like okay, let's just think about love. Okay, <laughs> love. Obviously, we don't all agree what love is. Okay? Well, obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that the Torah defines what love should be, but if you look in the world today, and, and many people just say, oh, well, Jesus is about love. Without defining what love means, that can be very dangerous. I think we get ourselves into big trouble, and that's and we see that manifesting itself Absolutely. today just with that one word. Yeah. Um, and life might be another one, you know, just other kinds yeah, of words. Yeah, we could probably what do an entire podcast well, exactly, on each one of these words. Word, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, what I started to do was uh, before this podcast is I started to talk to various people and I was asking them, so what do you think anointing is? And um, it, it seemed that everybody was... It was different. It seemed that everybody was was had their own idea. I even went with one of our dear friends, Gary, and I was talking to her about it. And she goes, well, what I think it is is da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, I don't want to know what you think it is. I would say, <laughs> unless you can show me in the Word, um, you know, exactly something to back that up. Right. And, and she thoroughly agreed with me. Of course. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> You know, so some people, like you just said, you know, some people think that this anointing idea in the Bible is synonymous with receiving God's Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thus comes the idea that Satan couldn't possibly still have God's spirit in him. So, you know, we really need to kind of tease this apart and, and, sure. and see yeah. what's going on. Down. I want to go with what's biblically based. OK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's sometimes in the Bible there's going to be unknowns. OK, you could go sure. so far. And but but usually you can go further than what most of us do. Yeah, yeah. We I think we have we have to resist the idea of parroting what we've heard in the past and and just going with it. That's that's how we you know we received the lies of our fathers, inherited the lies of our fathers, and gotten so much trouble over the years. Yes, that's a really good point. That's a that's 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 an excellent point. So we want to always, when somebody is saying something, just stop and say, okay, why why do they believe that? Why would I believe that? Let's go back and check. So this whole thing started with Ezekiel twenty eight. Mm-hmm. There's not that much in the Bible about Satan. Right. Um, so you can start with that. I you know looking at some of those verses about Satan, but I did start with Ezekiel. 28. And I would remind the, the readers, I'm going to read just a little part of it, but I would suggest that our, uh, that, that those who are listening, that you would go back and read the entire 
chapter mm-hmm. and maybe multiple chapters before and after it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good idea for context. Exactly. Yeah. So we talked about a little bit in our last podcast, talked a little bit about this verse, because like I said, that was the, the podcast topic that started me down this trail. And in uh, verse 2812, it's talking about the king of Tyre. And we talked about that as a double reference in our last podcast, that there was probably a physical king of Tyre, mm-hmm. but it's very clear in the word that this is also a reference to someone who could not possibly be a physical human being. And here's why. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. (laughs) (laughs) We don't think that's the king anymore. (laughs) I don't think so. And so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the days you were created till, till... Wickedness was found in you. Mm. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Interesting word that you, a choice of words that you corrupted. You, you know, it was a choice there to, to do the corrupting. Exactly. So, what we have here, I wanted to look at the word anointed. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, or as we said in our last podcast, anointed as a cherub who covers, mm-hmm. okay? Because that's the concept of covering of a cherub is one who covers. Um, I would encourage the audience to think about the Ark of the Covenant right. and the two cher- the cherubim with their, their wings spread out over the Ark. That's the concept. And in fact, you won't be able to see it, audience, but when I talk about covering... I always have to bring my hands up over, just like those uh, those cherubim. Yes. I, I, so if you were seeing this, uh, if you were if you had a video, you would see me doing that. Um, but so anointed as an anointed guardian cherub or an anointed cherub who covers in the Strong's Concordance. If you go look up that word, that word is called mimshak. Mimshak. What's interesting, Gary, is that is only used one time. That is significant in itself. And I love the fact that you're breaking down these words because there's reasons for for using a word here that's different than than in other places. Yes. And it does make our job a little harder. Mm. You have to dig further uh, and look at related things. But so it's not a hundred percent clear. They actually, they, they denote that, you know, there's, we're not, everybody's in agreement, but what it seems to mean, and this is what's in uh, Strong's is, it's believed to mean expanded mm. or far reaching wings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So audience, here I am with these wings. With the wings okay. sticking out there. <laughs> She's going to take off. Okay. <laughs> so there's that expanded far reaching wings. So it seems that anointing, this mimshak anointing, is an expansion, mm. maybe of power or influence or authority. Yeah. That would make well, sense. It does. It makes perfect sense in re- relation to Satan and this, you know, this idea of reaching throughout the world. Yes. You know. So I think he was given kind of a, a greater power and authority. It says, so for I ordained you, and that word is Nathan, mm. which means to give or to set. So God gave him this authority. It was God given. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what anointing is, is it's from God. Now that's important to keep in the back of your head for a little later. Yeah. It's from God. Um, 
So even though God sometimes uses other people to do an anointing, like with the oil, which we're going to talk about, it, this word is given, this yeah. anointing is given by God. Well, it's important to, to note that here, that you, because, you know, if God is all sovereign and we know he is, then w how would Satan have any authority without it, it coming oh, from him? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, I think I think that's that's a very important. Point I right think here. that's important. So I think what was happening here was that Satan was giving kind of a far-reaching authority, and in fact, in the Gospels, we we read that Satan claims to have authority over the kingdoms of the world. So in Matthew four, uh, when Satan tempted Jesus, um, it says the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said. All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So you wonder, yeah, Satan could lie, but I, I'm not sure that he would lie right here to, to Jesus because probably <laughs> Jesus would know. Of course. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> He's not going to get away with He's it. He's not. So I think, number one, Satan couldn't give what he didn't have. Right. Okay. He said, I'm going to give this to you. I don't think he could give what he didn't have. And what's interesting to note is Jesus never said, that Satan didn't have these kingdoms. That's not in his response at all. Right. No. That's important. And he, he knows that, you know, we, we are of God, but the whole world's under the sway of the wicked one. Exactly. So I think that, you know, Jesus recognized, okay, that Satan had this authority, okay? Now Satan is saying, I will cause you to expand, okay? expand your reach and authority, Jesus. And Jesus simply re replies, um, away from me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what he says. Worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. That's where he's, he, he, right. he quotes scripture. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say you don't have that authority to give. You cannot expand my, my realm of influence. I, right. I, or he didn't say any of that. No, he just simply uses the word. He just says, get away from me. I'm going to worship God, my, mm -hmm. you know, God the Father. So he did not deny that Satan had this ex expanded power or influence or authority. He just simply chose not to worship him. Right. Which, which I think is, is we're going to see in a moment. I, I share that the the huge difference between Yeshua and yes, Sa yes. and Satan. Yes. Yeah. You know, so if you go back and you say, okay, Mimshak is only used once, mm -hmm. right? So now what you have to do is go in and look and see what are other words that are related to Mimshak, and that's the beauty of Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Okay, Hebrew does this great thing where you look at um, two consonants or three, they call the two they call parent consonants, and then all words that share those have a relation, even though you don't necessarily see it mm -hmm. right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's so a beautiful language. It's one. a beautiful language in that way, and it gives us a lot of uh, clues when we're trying to understand what God means in these in, with this language. Yeah, I love the way you've broken down these words. The word mimshak is related to mashak, Strong's 4886, which means anointed. Okay, mm -hmm. remember the first one meant far-reaching or expanded authority. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anointing. Wow. Gary, that means to smear. Yeah. Or to spread out. And I don't think there's one person in the world, if you said, what does anointing mean, would answer that. No, no. You know, we get, the, I, of course, you and I know, you get that imagery of when someone pours oil over the head when anointing a king. 
But to use that word smear, no, I don't think anybody, you know, one in a million would, would, would make that connection. Do you know it's the same word as used in painting to paint a picture and smear the paint, spread the paint out? That's incredible. Isn't that incredible? That. Yeah. Okay, so now, but you've got to take that imagery into your head now to, and to understand anointing. So what it's doing is the anointing kind of spreads out the influence of the oil. It smears it out the paint, whatever it is, okay, mm -hmm. spreads it out. Now, I also got a really cool book, and I, for those of you in the audience who are really uh, Torah nerds like we are, I would highly recommend the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament. And boy, you go in and any word in the Old Testament, it just gives you every reference to it, where it is in the Bible, with, mm -hmm. you know, and it connects it to other words, and oh, I'm having a lot. It's really nerdy fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> Great resource. So anyway, so I go to my theological word book of the Old Testament, and um, it was talking about how, well, you mentioned kings were anointed, mm -hmm. okay? And it said there was it was a solemn setting apart for an office using oil, mm -hmm. exactly like you said, the pouring on of the oil over the head. Um so, but what was happening here was that this person, if they're being anointed king, is their sphere of influence is spreading out. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's, it's growing. It's reaching out. Um, so there's that idea. Also, this concept of separation for God's services, a position of honor, increased responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses anointed Aaron, high priest, yeah. same concept. Yeah, now, now we're getting where the rubber hits the road. It's just the idea of what are you doing with that anointing? Exactly. Yeah. That brings us to Isaiah 61.1, and, and it's also repeated in Luke 4.18. Jesus announces his ministry, okay, there in the Gospels, and his mission, but he quotes Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and to set the captives free and so forth. Right. Okay, so that word anointed for God's purposes to proclaim good news to the captives. Mm -hmm. um, that That is, I like the word commission. Yeah. A commissioning? Yeah, it, you know, an assignment, a mission, a commission. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, all the, you, you're given, you, you're given something by the sovereign God to, to perform on the earth, to become his hands and feet, his mouthpiece, whatever it is he's assigned you to do, and you're to carry that out. And that's actually the definition of commission, I was going to say, yeah. is an act of granting power or authority to yeah. carry out a particular task. That's exactly yeah. what commission is. Yeah. So I like that idea of thinking about anointing as kind of a commission. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a great way to look at it, and, and because it can help us make that separation between uh, having the mission and then being equipped for the mission. And I think that's where we get the, the you know, God's spirit working within yes. us. And, and so it, this shows this, there's this incredible contrast here that since you brought Yeshua into the equation here, I just want to share with our audience a, a, a contrast. Um, well, something, if you look in the Gospels, and this is not the only place you'll find it, but I've chosen just a couple examples of the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, verse 30. Yeshua says, I can of myself do nothing. Wow. You think about that. 
for a moment. The Son of God can the do son nothing. The of, of Son of God can do nothing. Why? Because as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Think of that humility. There, there it is. John chapter 17, when he's about to, know, knowing he's going to go to his death, that's why I feel that John 17 is such a powerful chapter for, for all of us. Because if you're, when you're leaving this life and, and entering the next age, I think it's important to listen to those final words. And John 17, I'm just going to read 4 through 7. He says, listen to this, because we're talking about commissioning, right, Kathy? We're talking about what his right. job was right. on the earth. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. There it is, right there. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name uh, to, to the men that you have given me out of the world, and they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now you have known that all things that you have given me are, are, are now they know, all things that you have given me are from you. Notice how everything was pointing... Points back to the Father. Back to the Father. Now, let's do a little comparison. <laughs> Yeshua gives all glory to the Father. He points back to the Father. Everything came from the Father. Now, Isaiah 14, verse 12, is describing uh, Lucifer. You say, Hasatan. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down from the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Sound well, a little There's a bit of a contrast there. <laughs> yeah, there's some pride. You have two ends of the spectrum, you know, one end and the other end. Absolutely. That, that is the difference between having a commission, having a role to play, and then giving the, the, and performing it with, 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 you know, giving all glory to God. Then his spirit will work in that and allow that and, and, and empower that. And allow you to complete that in the way exactly. that you've been commissioned to do. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. instead, we have uh, a Satan who was given gifts he was he was he was uh, and given a commission to and, do and yeah. yet he chose to receive he wanted, he was going to do this all on his own on his own for his own glory for his own to serve himself to serve himself rather than this is the difference so there there's a there's an anointing that that exists there the difference is the the attitude that co that comes with it and well how god will equip one to do it and i think that that is um is it, we can see that borne out in other scriptures and other stories um, that we're going to look at in uh, too in in both of the testaments that it's that difference, not the fact that there's an anointing, there is an anointing on both of them. Yes. Okay, and it's that who are you serving with that anointing? What is your Heart with that anointing, you know that that kind yeah. of idea. Well, because because with one you you end up with a counterfeit because yes. with Yeshua, remember we we defined grace as that ability to uh, he gives us the power to approach him. 
Whereas his counterfeit anointing, this this Satan rises up to a place outside of the framework of God's, um, you know, design. Yes, and yes. and so so he's he's it, so he uses that anointing in a counterfeit way in yes. a sense because it's still I would say it it's still an anointing from God, mm-hmm. but how is he going to use that? Right, I, and I and I think that's true. We'll see that in other places in the word and and, and true of us too. Mm-hmm. You know, and how we're going to use it. Once again, gets back to the idea of choice. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Always, you know. Um, so I think that, you know, even in what you were saying and what we can say so far, so far is that anointing is kind of like a commission, okay, you know, to act. You have authority from someone else who's got mm-hmm. greater authority to, to do the work uh, that they've set out for you to do. You know, um, I mentioned that the Lord does the anointing. Even though humans may perform the act. So oftentimes a human like Samuel uh, anointed both Saul and right. David um, and Aaron uh, and Moses anointed Aaron. Um, often the anointing is related to the concept of anointing a king. And it's interesting that it wasn't just Israel's kings that were anointed. Um, Hazael was an Aramean mm-hmm. whom God anointed in 1 Kings 19.15. Right. And we're going to talk also about King Cyrus. But let me introduce another word, related word, to Mimshak and Meshach, and that's Mashiach. Interesting, huh? Okay, so you can hear it, obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. you hear the same sounds. A Mashiach is an anointed one. That's right. what it means. It occurs 40 times in the Old Testament, and it can indicate an office such as a high priest. Um, it's usually used for a king, usually mm-hmm. used for a king, okay? So this is where I mentioned that you didn't have to be Israel's king, I think all of our audience knows or has heard of King Cyrus. Right. Okay. And King Cyrus is actually called in Isaiah 45, 11, um, it says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor. And it goes on from there. It calls Cyrus his anointed. It calls him his Mashiach. Yeah. That's translated Messiah. Messiah, isn't that? I, I know. I love. I love the fact that uh, this this is here and showing that that word it can be used in other ways. Uh, you know, just for our audience' sake, I don't know. Uh, you know what what level you're coming from, but when we when you hear the word Christ, it comes from the Greek Christos which means anointed one. And Christos also then has his Hebrew counterpart, which is Mashiach or Messiah. So anointed one. So when we say the Mashiach or the Messiah, of course, we're referencing Yeshua. But Messiah can be used in reference to a king or another person. That is so important. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is kind of at the heart of this kind of misunderstanding Mm -hmm. of anointing is because we only think of Messiah as being related to Yeshua. Exactly. And that's not exactly that, that that's not the whole picture. That's not the whole picture. Okay. Right. Um, in fact, King Cyrus, it clearly says in that verse in Isaiah um, that he's going to bestow this honor and title on Cyrus, though you do not acknowledge me. Right. An, un- an unbeliever, so to speak, yes. being, being uh, labeled Mashiach. <laughs> you know, God I, can do I this. think... I, I think there's people in the audience going, whoa, 
Wait a minute. I hope so. Yeah, you know, let, uh, wait, this is different than anything that I've thought about in mm-hmm. the idea of Messiah mm-hmm. before. But it's a person singled out for a chosen task, and uh, King Cyrus had a very important task. Yeah, well, see, maybe that's important to mention here then, Kathy, is that, you know, this was the, to for the re, uh, regathering uh, after the Babylonian captivity of the Jewish people back to Israel. Uh, remember President Truman, what he said when he acknowledged the modern state of Israel? They said to him, uh, "You, help, how do you feel as helping the, the Jewish state be reborn? He says, help. He says, I'm Cyrus. I'm Cyrus. He said it twice. <laughs> yes. He recognized that he was called to the presidency of the United States for that role, just as King Cyrus was called to this, this position here for the first regathering of the Jewish people. So he knew his Bible. He knew his Bible. Yes. You know... I think that when you talk about Cyrus and you, you see that he's anointed, it does not tell us that Cyrus was filled with God's spirit, okay? Um, or what we would say a Holy Spirit, so to speak. It doesn't say he was. I'm, I don't necessarily saying he wasn't, but mm-hmm. it doesn't say he was right. in this case. So I think that there's that confusion, like you said at the beginning, between anointing and having God's spirit. Mm-hmm. We're going to tease that out a little bit more. But anointing generally does con- infer that they have some type of divine enablement. Some Something generally assists, this comes with this anointing, like Satan had the wisdom, mm-hmm. okay? We don't see that Satan had God's spirit in him, no. but he did have wisdom. I think he was given gifts yes. that he used for his own purposes. Yes. And it's a difference than having the indwelling spirit of God yes. working through you. Yes. And I think that's exactly what we see when we go to look at the stories of Saul and David. Mm. Okay. So if you're going to look at Saul and David uh, in First Samuel, um, I wanted to go specific. I went through this like with a fine tooth comb. And I said, I saw in First Samuel 10, 1, Saul was anointed king of Israel by Samuel. So he had his sphere of influence expanded, okay? And then 10.9, the spirit of God rushes upon Saul as he's on the road, and he gives him kind of a new heart. All right, that was, a, it wasn't exactly at the same time that the anointing happened, okay? Mm-hmm. So in uh, chapter 15, God rejects Saul as king of Israel after Saul rebelled multiple times. We see multiple rebellions. In a later chapter, 1613, Samuel anoints David, Mm -hmm. and it says the spirit of the Lord came upon David. Right. Okay, so he got the spirit. And the thing is, Saul got the spirit too at a time. At a time. But but it says in 1613, the spirit of the Lord departs Saul, and an evil spirit comes. Right. So Saul got an anointing, then he separately got the spirit, and then the spirit departed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you see a clear delineation here between the process of anointing and the process of an indwelling spirit. Yes. Of God. And, and then we see that okay, the spirit was taken from Saul, but we don't read that the anointing was taken from Saul because the anointing was that expansion of his influence as king. Mm-hmm. He remained king till the end of his life. And David understood that. And David understood it. So so what happened is 
we see later that uh, Saul uses his expanded sphere of influence as king. He literally takes his armies out to try to kill David. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's using his special anointing, his expanded sphere of influence, but he's using it to serve himself, right. not God, just like just like Satan did. He Saul made a choice. Right. Okay. And now we did see that Saul did have God's spirit, but then God took it away one, after he saw those choices. Yes, and once again it was pride. Remember, remember when he when he blew it and he wanted he wanted Samuel to bless him in front of the people. He said he didn't immediately repent, which was the difference between he and David. David, when he, he, he sinned, he repented. Saul instead just wanted the appearance of getting the blessing from the prophet, you know, in front of the people and then didn't repent so that you can see the difference there was pride. It's a different heart. Yes. Okay. Within both of them, they both had the anointing to be king of Israel. Yes, they did. And the most fascinating thing to me is that David saw that God's anointing over Saul was, I like this word, inviolable, mm -hmm. cannot be violated. Right. Okay. David reacts multiple times in the stories as if he believes that Saul still has this anointing from God and mm -hmm. he can't touch him. Mm -hmm. So we see that in 1 Samuel 24, um, that David says, you know, we know that story where he has an opportunity. In fact, it happens twice. Yeah, he, he has an opportunity him. where he could have killed him and he didn't. And the reason he gives is because he's not going to kill the God's Lord's anointed. Anointed, exactly. So he recognizes he still has the anointing, even though he's not operating in the spirit of God with it any longer. Right. And even after Saul dies, David meets the, the guy who killed Saul mm -hmm. and he kills him because that guy killed God's anointed. Right. Okay. So we have a recognition by David that that anointing still existed all the way. We see clearly that he used that expanded sphere. Saul used the expanded sphere of influence to carry out his own nefarious work, okay, mm -hmm. to try to kill David. So it looks like it's still there. The difference we have with these two, as you said, is at one point, the, the spirit is removed from Saul, and we never see that for David. That's true. In fact, I, I truly believe with all my heart that that's why uh, Psalm 51, David says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me when he's repenting because he saw what happened to King Saul and he did not want that to happen to himself. Any, anyone who, who knows, knows the Lord and as, as a personal relationship with God, uh, that should be your biggest fear. That you, you know, that he would remove his spirit from you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we were just reading in the Torah portion last week, um, Gary, and as I was preparing for this anoint this anointing podcast, we read something in Leviticus twenty one about the high priest, and of course he had the anointing oil poured on his head, and he was ordained to wear the priestly garments, and it says that he may not leave the sanctuary of God. He literally didn't have the right to resign, so to speak. <laughs> that this. This anointing was given to him, mm. uh, and it, it 
he didn't even he didn't have the right to resign. Could he use the anointing in a way that was uh, evil? We saw that happen multiple times. Yeah, okay, yeah, we read that. But it's interesting because it says literally Leviticus twenty one ten. He may not leave the sanctuary of his God. Mm. Uh, that's with him. That anointing, that commissioning as high priest. He's got it. That's that's it. Right, that's right. it. That's it. You know. So um, now we can look. We've looked at some uh, things in the um, the the Tanakh. Let's go up now to the Brit Hadashah, the Newer Testaments. We see in Acts ten thirty eight, Peter said, "God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, for God was with him." Mm. So here, the anointing does seem to go hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think when you have perfect obedience to the Father, he he, he knows that he can entrust his Spirit in this vessel. Yes. That's the difference. Yes, yes. And so he gives he but but it seems it says that he has the Holy Spirit and an anointing. I think mm. that they're still two separate things. Yeah. Oh, He's yes. got them both. Absolutely. Now first John two seventeen says, You believers have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know the truth. And that concept is echoed in 2 Corinthians 1.21, and it was God himself who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So he gives us an anointing and he gives us a spirit in our hearts. Yeah, because every I believe that we are given. There are, you know, there's that whole debate over predestination. Uh, I think there are works that are predestined for us that we can walk in. So the anointing, the commissioning, the mission, you know, all the things, all words that we talked about, that is the, those things that God has laid out for your life to do on the earth with the life that he has given you. We've given, we're given one life to do with what, with, with it, what he has commissioned us to do. We can choose to do that or not. But then he puts his spirit in us. And, and, and I, I believe those who uh, then have the, the power, the enabling, the enabling so to, speak, yes. to do th those works when they choose to do that. That reminded me as you were talking, it reminded me of Mordecai and Esther. Mm. And perhaps you've been put here for such a time as this. Right. That was your anointing, your commission. But he implied that, you know, if you don't do it, God is going to get this carried out. Right. Okay. It's going to happen. But that was your commission. I think that's a perfect example. Yes. Yeah. If you, you if you do you do it or someone else, well, God will use somebody else to do well, it. Well, it's just like Saul and David. Yeah, exactly. Okay? exactly. You know, Saul Same was anointed king, okay, but he didn't do what he was supposed to, so now right. David was anointed king. Right. You know, 1 John 2.27 says, the anointing you received from him abides, dwells, lives in you. Okay, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it was taught you, abide in him. So it abides in you. Mm -hmm. And 1 John 2.27, but as for you, the anointing which you received in him abides permanently. Mm-hmm. Interesting, isn't it? The anointing abides permanently is exactly well. what it says in 1 John 2, 27. And then, Gary, absolutely, we have to talk about Israel as God's anointed. Yeah, I think that that's a perfect example. You know, we know from Romans 11 that gifts and calling are irrevocable. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's the same situation where God chose this this nation, this group of people to be a light to the nations. They could choose or, or to do it or not. And in many times, unfortunately, they failed at that task. But fortunately, also that he kept a remnant that always kept that fire burning. And we're here today because that that remnant that 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 light to the nations never was extinguished. That anointing never went out. But many chose not to use what they had been given. And, you know, you said exactly that Romans eleven twenty nine that this call is irrevocable. Yes. Irrevocable. Mm-hmm. OK, that's the same kind of concept that we're talking about in, in the in uh, in the Tanakh. It's irrevocable, irrevocable. call. It's, it reminds me of Tevye's words. You know, I know we're the chosen people, but could you choose somebody else, somebody else, somebody else once exactly. in a while? You know, because they were given this mission and they've paid dearly. Uh, for being the people, the, the, the representatives of God on the earth. And, and I believe we too now are representatives of God on the earth, but thanks to the obedience of, of many. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Psalm 105, just so the audience knows, and we're not just making this up, mm. it refers to Israel and it says, it's talking about Israel says, don't touch my anointed ones. Right. That's exactly where David got that concept right. about he could not touch Saul mm. is don't touch my anointed ones. That is a reference to Israel. So, um, so we weren't just making that idea up or anything. It, it talks about that is Israel as the anointed and don't touch them. Right. Okay. You touch them. It's a touching the, the apple of God's eye. Right. Mm. I wanted to see what else there was in the word. And I started to look at, actually, someone brought up the idea of Samson and the story of Samson. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading through the story of Samson. And his, his parents were told that Samson would be a Nazarite of God. Until the day of his death. Okay, that's Judges 13, 7. Mm-hmm. So you could say that Samson was commissioned for this job. You could say he was anointed. Now, that word is not used. And I'll tell the, I tell the audience, okay, full disclosure, it doesn't say anointed. But it does talk about this idea of being a Nazarite, commissioned kind of for a job until the day of his death. Okay, yeah, that wasn't yeah. taken. Um, so you could say he, he had this commissioning. And interestingly, even his mother was equal equipped with the knowledge she needed to ensure that Samson followed the rules of the Nazarite while he was still in a womb, her mm, womb. Yeah. So talk about great equipping. Right. Whoa. <laughs> you know, for, for our audience's sake, um, you know, a Nazarite, it, it, that's a vow that people take. It's a, it's a setting apart. It takes you to another level of separation as far as, you know, you know the, the, the Jewish people are, are set apart yes. from the world. And this is like being set apart within the Jewish people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you could say, and like I said, it it doesn't say anointed, but we're just kind of looking for uh, patterns. Uh, Samson was equipped. He was set apart, exactly like you said. It says a little bit later that the spirit began to stir stir in him when he was on his way to Mahane Dan. Mm. So I'm not sure the spirit may have been with him earlier and it just started to stir, but that... It talks about that as he was a grown man, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so anyway, so we have this story of Samson. And maybe what happened to him was an anointing in the womb. It seems like it kind of in the same way that happened to Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. I knew you in the womb right. before, before, how's that go? Um, yeah, but, before you were born. Yes. Okay, I set you apart. Yes. Right? Okay. Um, he. It looks like, 
well, what I think is that Samson got this kind of set apart, kind of a commissioning. And I don't think he lost this anointing, but I think he did lose God's spirit. In, in, in chapter 16, 20, it tells us that he loses God's spirit yeah, well, after being seduced by Delilah. Yeah, one, once again, disobedience led oh, to a problem. Yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole mm-hmm. deal is he was seduced by Delilah. In fact, I love the metaphor. It says he fell asleep. Mm. Oh, great metaphor for <laughs> for Christians to fall asleep, okay, yeah, at the wheel, mm-hmm. okay? Bad things can happen then, yeah. you know? So, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder, and I'm just kind of musing on this, but is it almost like Samson kind of handed over uh, to Satan the authority to... Um, Remember we talked about how the, he was the anointed cherub who covers. Now, that word covers means that you can protect and defend, but that word also means to hide and mm. conceal, okay? So did that role of Saint Satan to protect and defend, uh, did Samson somehow give him authority now to cover over his anointing to hide and conceal it? Mm. Did Samson in his sin give Satan some kind of authority to use the anointing God gave him to cover. Now he's covering God's glory in Samson. Is, is yeah. that what happened? I don't I, know. Well, I think that's a great question. And I think, I think the, the, this, the idea of sinning uh, does cover cover the anointing that God has given you. We, yes. we separate ourselves from God when we sin. He never leaves us. But we, we then, we, uh, I think, become less effective and sometimes ineffective when we sin because then we're, we're not walking in, in yes. that particular And so you can, you, know, you can look at this imagery any, any way you want, but it, I just was wondering, is this what happens? Did Samson now you know, give, give Satan permission, so to speak, by falling asleep? And now Satan has this permission to carry out his anointing mm. uh, and cover uh, Samson's, the glory that Samson had been given. Okay, God's anointing in Samson, maybe. His anointing, what was interesting in chapter 16, 28, Samson finally acknowledges that his strength was from God yes. in a prayer. Okay, 16, 28. And then what's he do? He's able to push down those pillars. So it's almost like his anointing was no longer covered at that point. He had that strength, but maybe it was covered for a little while. Yeah. And then when he acknowledged and got it straight, he had it again. It was he was always there, but yeah. it was like covered. It, well, yeah, I, I, lo- I love what you're saying because it goes back to the giving all glory to God. You know, he said, God said he will share his glory with no one. And when, when we take, we think that we are doing this, you know, Israel got into this problem with the blessings. You know, we look and we go back to Deuteronomy. Remember, I think it's Deuteronomy uh, 32, 15 it says, Jeshu run, you grew fat and kicked. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, they, they saw the blessings and they, they, they thought, well. Oh, we did that ourselves. We did that. Yes, yeah. And yes. it goes back to Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 8 also, uh, where it says, uh, don't forget, I'm the one who gives you the power to gain wealth. 
So again, we, you know, here we are, Torah talk. Let's go back to the Torah. The mm -hmm. Torah gives us that warning. Don't forget where the blessings come from. Right. We even talked about that last week, I think, with Hosea. And it says that it was referencing Gomer. And it was saying, you you forgot that it was I who gave you your oil, your flax, mm -hmm. and your wheat mm -hmm. in its season. Yeah. Okay. So she, she forgot. And so I, I'm thinking it that all seems to fit. It does. I believe that's a perfect pattern here. Yeah, I think it fits. So, 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 you know, looking at this again, Satan has an anointing and then to cover and then something we do, I think that it allows him to cover. So what I want to do is, you know, we've looked at some really interesting things and I, I hope that now you will go back and look in detail, go back to the references we saw. Uh, if you disagree, let us know and let us know why. We're, we're, we're perfectly happy to, to look at all of this because we're still on this journey along with you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I said at the beginning, my, my reason for doing this is because I realized that so many people, you were using a word that we did not have an agreement on, mm -hmm. an agreement on what it was, um, and under understanding. So I'm going to try to conclude. We're going to try to conclude here. Um, some broad conclusions based on what we said. I think anointing, uh, from its original Mimshak, Mashiach, Mashiach, okay, idea <laughs> is a, a spreading out or uh, ex expanding the sphere of influence uh, that someone has. It's like a commission. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the easiest word that we can understand in our modern day language, sure. being called for a special service. If God anoints someone, that anointing seems to be in no, how do I say? Inviolable. Okay, I'm trying to use that word because I think it's a really cool word, it's but a good not word. one that I use <laughs> a lot. That means it cannot be violated or undone. Mm -hmm. And that is clearly evidenced by what David said. And he recognized that Saul was God's anointing, anointed even up into death. And it seems to me, Gary, I think you can agree that this indwelling of the Holy Spirit seems to be separate from anointing. I, I think that's what we've come to see here yeah. in, in all of this, yes. I think you can have an anointing, like Cyrus had an anointing. Saul continued to use his anointing long after the Spirit was gone. Um, there are two different things is, mm -hmm. what it, is what it looks like to me. That's what I think. And one is always focused on... <laughs> they, the, the determining factor here with this whole in, in, uh, anointing thing is how you're going to use it, right. where your heart is. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? Yeah, I think, I think that's where we've, that all of this has led to us. Now, again, um, or it's led us to. <laughs> um, once again, telling to, for our audience sake, you know, never, ever, ever take the word uh, from us or anybody without doing your own homework, researching it yourself. Don't take our word for it. Look in the word. And that's what we've done here. Looked in the word for biblical patterns to support the state where, where, we, where we are. So biblical patterns would lead us to believe that Satan retained his anointing, his expanded sphere of influence and authority, but he has chosen to use it to serve himself instead of God just like we gave the example of Saul. Now, I think this is why this is why I think Satan is so effective in his efforts. His anointing is from God. 
and his gifts, such as wisdom, are from God. But his spirit is not. That's obvious to me. And you know, it should be obvious to the world. Now, Yeshua himself did not deny that Satan had an expanded fear of influence on the world. He simply chose to serve God. That's the big difference there. Yeah. You know, the other thing I think we can see in this pattern is that God's anointing is permanent. Um, that seems to be the pattern. I know that we are not comfortable with thinking of Satan as still having an anointing, okay, like an, a commission from God. I know we're uncomfortable with that, okay? But it looks to me that that's what the pattern is. And so it kind of reminds me, when I was thinking about this, it reminds me of the idea of when a king gives an order and marks it, marks it with his signet, like on his ring, it becomes law and cannot be undone, like what happened in the story of Esther, Okay, that the end of the king did the signet and um, they had to he had to do another decree in order to kind of allow the Jews to fight back. Okay, that's in the story of Esther. Um, I think that it kind of reminds me of that. I think that's a great example because, you know, whenever over the years, of course, we, we read that story every Purim and all. And I've thought about that. It's like, you know, you're kidding me. The king himself can't Couldn't just undo it. Over, uh, override the, yes. the decision. And that is, that's an amazing principle and authority. And, and having, you know, set something into motion. You know, we talked about God's natural laws. He sets things into motion. I think this is all related. And it's, 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 a, it's part of the kingdom of God that maybe is, is foreign to our understanding, or at least we're only seeing it, you know, through a glass darkly. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's very true that, that Satan was given this authority because it would, if God is sovereign and we know he is, he would not be able to operate without, without God, God allowing it. And, you know, Kathy, you and I have heard this recently. There, there is a movement in evangelical Christianity known as Dominion Theology or Kingdom Now Theology that claims that Satan has no authority on the earth. Well, I mean, that, that to me, that's in direct contradiction to, to the Word of God where it says we, we are of God, but all the world is under the sway of the wicked And I one. think we're going to have to do a podcast on and that. I think we're going to have to. <laughs> um, but, you know, and in the, the fact that he has no expanded sphere of influence given by God, well, that, that, just, that, that just seems contradictory to everything we're seeing in these patterns. So we're going to be doing a podcast, uh, and maybe two, yeah, as soon to think, uh, to, to think about this specifically. Yeah, I think the, the, the biblical pattern proved that Satan does have influence o over the... Uh, you know, on the earth. I mean, we see it every day. Mm -hmm. And I believe we don't understand Satan current anointing. Uh, and that's, that puts us at a severe disadvantage. When you don't know your enemy, watch out. I mean, that is the first caveat of warfare, right? Yes. Know yeah. your enemy. Know your enemy. Yes. And if we're running around with misconceptions of his power mm -hmm. um, or authority or God-given yeah. authority, yeah. that's really dangerous. It is dangerous. I mean, I, you know, I remember remember the, 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 the movie Patton. Did you see that years ago? I never I, saw I, that. Oh my gosh. I was still a, a young man. I'm probably not even a teenager. But Patton, he's standing on the, on the top of a hill as he's defeating Rommel's army in the desert you know, the desert rat, Rommel. And he's saying, ah, he's laughing. He says, I read your book. Oh. I read your book. He read the Rommel's book of warfare. Smart. <laughs> Smart. Wow. And so we need to read the book. We need we to know read how, the book. Yeah. Exactly. We've got to know the enemy. Yeah. You know, I think this study on this topic, um, like, like I said earlier, 
I think that Satan has some type of legal authority from God to cover God's glory, even in is even in us, if we sin and do not re- repent, if we keep on sinning. I think it's this continued sinning that allows God's anointing in us to be covered. Mm. It looks like it's mm-hmm. being covered. I think it's still there. Okay, but it's being covered. I believe that is why we don't see the healings and the signs and the wonders that that we all want to see and we're told we will see. We have the spirit within us, but, you know, it still wars with our flesh and sin still exacts a price in this physical world. You know, it's that conundrum that we exist in while we're still in our corrupt bodies, just like Paul said. Oh, my gosh. I want to do the right thing and I can't do it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We're going to deal with that. And I'm probably every every believer is grateful that Paul admitted that because I think, you know, there's this temptation in all of us or this desire in all of us to be perfect and we cannot be perfect. We can be holy. We can be set apart, but we'll never be perfect in this age. Uh, But, you know. Based on what we've discussed today, we, you know, what what do we do, Kathy? I mean, I think I think you and I have the same answer. We've had the same answer all along. It's repent. I mean, if you are not walking in the direction of God and submitting completely to His authority, turn from the path that you are on and run back into His open arms. He's waiting for you. Then choose to walk out your life the way our Savior Yeshua did, in obedience to the Father's commands. When we do this, Satan cannot cover God's glory in us, and we can truly walk in our anointing and fulfill his commission for us. We can truly be his hands, his feet, his voice on the earth today. Amen. I thank you for joining us today as we go into, we went into this in-depth word study, I guess you would say it, on the word anointing. Um, I have found it fascinating. I I hope that you have too. And and I, I ask all of you, until next time, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.